Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Couple Nurses Podcast with your hosts, Peter Fendero and myself, Matt Solarczyk. This is a podcast where we tackle current health news and hot nursing topics one conversation at a time. Thank you guys for tuning in. We know that we cannot give you back your time and attention, so we are grateful for that wherever you are listening. And if you find any value in this podcast, please give us a five-star five comment review like, share, share with your family member. We really appreciate it. That's how we grow. That's how the algorithm picks us up and it motivates us to keep on producing high quality content. So thank you. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing great, dude. You might get a little, I feel like you might get a little bit of negative stars coming in with our last controversial post, but you know, New Year's coming along. So I think this was a perfect time to touch base upon the top five most paying nursing careers as we approach the new year, or if you guys are listening in the new year, you know, who does not want a little bit more money, right? And as nurses, we do want some more money. And these are the top five most paid nursing careers. So top five are going to be registered nurse anesthetist. Then we have a general nurse practitioner, following clinical nurse specialist, psychiatric nurse practitioner, and a certified nurse midwife. So yeah, we're going to give you guys like a little breakdown of each. And we didn't write the actual income and salary of how much every career has because it's going to vary from state. Like, you know, in Illinois... A nurse could make like, you know, like, let's just say 60, 70 K, but here in California, a nurse is making 90 to hundred K with the same degree. Mm. So we're not going to include any salaries. If you're curious in a career, you could just go look it up yourself per state and see how much they actually make. Yeah. But overall, these are the top five ones. So let's hop into a certified nurse anesthetist. That's like almost every ICU nurse's goal, right? Hell yeah. The majority of ICU nurses, they do a year or two of ICU experience just to be able to qualified to go to school to be a nurse anesthetist and these people are basically put you down for surgery right so it's not it's not um it's not anesthesia or she's not an anesthesiologist they work under them so it's kind of like a, an, an np compared to a physician yeah right? it's, so it's, it's, like a, it's basically having a doctor under you yeah. i actually shadowed one mm-hmm. or if i told you that before yeah. in lagrange so they work the same way where there's one anesthesiologist and there's going to be four crnas the anesthesiologist has to come in at the beginning of the case make sure that the CRNA um, sedated the patient properly and did the right steps. And then he'll go into another room, let that CRNA sedate and all that. Right. So he just kind of around supervising and asking, you know, whatever the CRNA needs, he'll be there and ask. Yeah, kind of like if you do surgery, you have the main surgeon and you have the the surgical residents, right? Yes. The surgical residents are doing these surgeries and then the, the, the main surgeon, he just pops in from room to room to make sure everything's going or to help out in certain cases. And yeah, and that's, it's, it's pretty cool. Like... I know a few of my friends back my own unit basically did ISU just so they could they could get to the the CRNA school right. Uh, CRNA school I believe is like two extra years, two to two to three extra years. Yes. And on, on how and like how you do it and how you block it off because a lot of times people, a lot of nurses they go to school and they work full time, right? So they go to school part time for the most part. So it might take a little bit longer, which is okay. But if you want to do a CRNA school. The main thing you have to do is get the ICU experience. Yeah, and with CRNA, you usually can't usually work. Like, that's what people say. Maybe you could pull off part-time like we do while we're in nursing school. Most people, they commit full-time, and it takes about, like, three to four years, I believe, because it's a DNP. Mm-hmm. A lot of – they're stepping away from the master's program. You could do it in a different state, Illinois, for example, like Rush. Like, you have to get a DNP, which is close to three to four years, and it's about 100K of school, man. Right. So that's the way – that's what kind of pushed me away is I got to be – 100k in loans and then i gotta miss like three years of being a full-time nurse that's 210,000. now we're looking at over 300k in, in debt when i get out of school not including interest and i gotta pay it off so me personally 
I loved the route. Mm. I just don't want to commit back to school right now at this point in life. Yeah, I feel. And if and if you guys do want to go back to school, uh, like you could always ask your facility or people that you work for how much they're going to reimburse you. A lot of times, uh, these hospitals, especially university hospitals, they're willing to to pay majority, if not all, your tuition if you're gonna work in their hospital for X amount of years, right? So they'll tell you, hey, we'll cover you like 85% of school, but once you graduate, guess what? You're gonna be working with us for the next three to four years. So, you know, if you really like where you work and you really don't want to expand or go anywhere else, that's a great idea because you're you know, saving on tuition costs and guess what? You're gonna work in your basically dream job at your dream hospital. Yep. Yeah, I know now it's about the DNP stuff. So currently right now you can still get a master's in nursing and still qualify to be a CNRA. But I think in like 2023 or 2024, they're completely eliminating that. Okay. So wow. after, after I think 2023 or something like one of those years, look it up, you know, don't call me on this one, look it up <laughs> yourself. But after that year, you're going to have to get a DNP. So if you really want to be a CRNA without the, the whole DNP route, now is probably the best time to go. It might be like your only chance at it without doing the whole DNP. Damn. Damn. Um, so what makes a good, good CRNA? So if, Makes a good CRNA is a person that likes critical thinking, that likes thinking outside the box, obviously likes numbers and quick on action, but also calm. Because, you know, if you're sitting somebody, everyone might react a little differently. Some people might need more sedation, some people might, might need a little bit less, right? And if you don't have somebody sedated properly, and guess what, he's, he's in an OR, you got to sedate them quickly. Like, yeah, that patient might not be physically freaking out, but you can tell by their vitals. Yeah. Like, if you're trying to put some put somebody uh, like down with sedation, and, you know, they're getting caught open and their heart rate's going up, that's probably a bad sign, right? Common sense thinking like that. Well, not only common sense thinking like that, but critical thinking like that. Like, hey, we had the heart rate down to probably not sedate it as much. And it, and it's a fine balance because you're literally being an artist with mm -hmm. anesthesia and you're sedating the patient, but now that the, you know, the BP is liable, now you got to give some epinephrine and raise it up a little bit. Yeah. So it's, it's cool because you're just doing hardcore meds and it's your responsibility when the surgeon is cutting the person open to make sure they're sedated and to properly extubate them post and this is why it's favorable for icu nurses because as icu nurses we want we want control right over our patients everything over our vitals over what we give everything like that and this is perfect for my icu nurse going to crna because as a cnr you have a lot more control with them than a nurse right you you are basically setting up your own orders right like as nurses we can't set up our own orders we can't give certain medications yeah. because you don't have the order as a crna guess what you have the right to give all those medications it's your choice on what meds to give which is very cool Hell yeah. It's ba you basically make your own cocktail on how to sedate somebody. Yep. And you kind of, each each uh, CRNA might have a different different way to sedate somebody than somebody else. It's really yep. cool. Just like in the ICU, everybody has a different way of doing things and you are, you are accomplishing the same goal. Mm. So the second one is general nurse practitioner. And that's basically working under the family doctor. So you're going to be able to have extra perks compared to a BSN and MSN nurse, right? You're going to be able to prescribe. You're going to be able to give medications, potentially diagnose illnesses, and you could recommend alternative treatment plans. Mm -hmm. With that, it just comes a lot more responsibility because you are transitioning from a nurse that takes orders from doctors, and it's, you know, you basically present the problem to a doctor and they have to fix it, and they give you orders. Here, you are the person that the, the problem is going to be put upon. Mm -hmm. So you have to make that decision of what the treatment plan is, what the treatment goal is. Yeah, and when an ICMI physician, majority of the time is spent with his nurse practitioner. Uh, she basically does almost all the charting. She does all the recording. She asks me all the questions. Don't get me wrong, the doctor does a good job too, but the majority of, of, of the conversation, majority of the work is done by the nurse practitioner. So it's, I don't wanna, it's, I'm not gonna say it's like an assistant to the doctor, but she basically fills the doctor's role and, and doctor is like the, he's been more of a leadership position at that point where he just kind of 
like same way the anesthesiologist rounds on the CRNAs, this is kind of like doctor rounds on the NPs, but he also rounds on the patient too. Yeah. Because he's got to get a picture of what's going on as well. And a perfect example is like an orthopedic. So when I worked in orthopedics as a med surgeon nurse for a year, um, the surgeon did the surgery correct. He did like to just say total knee, total hip. The first day he usually consults, right? Does all that. Then the next couple of days when the patient's getting better, the NP is going to make the rounds. They're going to see how the patient is doing, what kind of maybe equipment they need, what kind of prescriptions they need to be sent home with, maybe the polar device, the cooling you know, device for the, the hips and the knees. And usually the doctor will not see them anymore, maybe maybe till there's a follow-up you know, scheduled when they get out of the hospital. So it's like, why should a doctor do all these surgeries and see all their patients when they could decrease the workload and technically make more money by seeing more patients and just paying the NP less and you're able to maximize your your workload technically. Right. And that's what the, the nurse practitioner technically is there for, for the doctor. Yeah. So nurse practitioner makes the, makes the physician's life more efficient. Yes. Than the surgeon life. So how do you become an NP? I mean, it's a pretty simple route. It's probably one of the more common routes for, for overall nurses to, to go in compared to the CRNA. So you're obviously gonna need your bachelor's in nursing, then you're gonna get the master's. And some schools do offer an option to go also go the DNP route when you want to um, you know, pr progress as school. So some, some schools are going to require doctorate, but not all nurse practitioners are going to need the the um, doctor degree to be a nurse practitioner, you know. And there's different routes you go with, the, with a nurse practitioner. Like you mentioned, there's a general one and you can work more acute setting. You can work more with geriatrics. A lot of specialties you can go into. Yeah, you could be family practice where you're just working at a clinic, maybe a small doctor's office. I know dermatologists even have them. That's probably a little bit more laid back job. Mm. And you could go all the way to like acute care. You could literally be working underneath the intensivists when it's nighttime. You're going to be taking calls from the nurses and seeing what the ICU patient needs when right. something's happening. Maybe you have to come in and start a line. I know in one hospital, I think they had to start like 15 central lines with the doctor till they could perform their own central line mm. insertions. Yeah. So, so it, all, it all depends. But it's it's um, just like nursing. It's a broad specialty that you could do a lot of different things and that you might like and not like and choose whatever you like right yeah, it's cool because if you select the if you're a nurse that selects the like the acute care you could be a, like an acute care nurse practitioner and like imagine you could put in lines like yeah you're probably going to be on call overnight when you're starting off and then you transition to, to days it, it just yeah it depends on how yeah. much you like bedside you know you want to do yeah like like if you're tired from bedside or you're tired from you know wiping butts and doing all these little things and answering call lights and you want to look you know, you want to come in with some freaking nice pants and some, you know, dress shoes on. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's the route that you could take. You know, you could transition away from bedside. Yeah, it's less patient, it's less direct patient care and more like emergent situations. Yes. Right. And of course, they do come and assess and everything. Like, like if admission would could come in, they would assess the patient, put eyes on them, see how he's doing, things like that. So it's, it's a cool route to go to. I thought about becoming an MP, but leaning towards away from it. Maybe I'll readdress it in the future. Yeah, and and there's still no price point for what you're doing. You're still be, you're still selfless in this field no matter mm -hmm. what you do and what specialty you pick. You're yeah. still doing your part. Yeah. And number three for you guys, we have clinical nurse specialists. So this is kind of the one career where I wasn't sure what it actually means. Let me just go over what they actually do. So they manage the care of complex and vulnerable populations. They educate and support interprofessional staff to provide optimal care through the use of evidence-based research and they facilitate a culture of safety within healthcare systems. So they're kind of like in between. Um, so they're like, it's hard to explain because it's kind in of like in a between very broad, a manager and a nurse in a way, you know? Yeah, almost like that. But it's not really like an assistant manager. Yeah, they, they're, they're, they're there, part of the interdisciplinary team to make sure that the latest research is, is being 
it's being done basically yeah. that everything is handled in, in the correct manner that the patient is, is getting the appropriate care and if like a pro- problem arises like how let's say you're the numbers for your patient care are decreased you have poor patient care numbers so it's kind of their job to figure out what can we do to to facilitate more more patient care better patient patient nurse interactions yes. so they kind of follow the research and see where we can improve and how to improve on it and, and they also advocate for the nurses correct they do correct so they're able to like implement quicker ways or more effective ways evidence-based ways yeah. to do the same job yeah. like let's say there's been an issue with dobhoffs one certain brand of dobhoffs is to get it's, for some reason it's it's coiling you know in the in the throat or it's getting placed in the lungs more often than than before maybe they have to do some research and get some different dobhoffs and she's gonna be kind of um, in charge of that maybe they need something that's more more firm or something and she's gonna advise that hey research shows that dobhoff made by this company has shown to reduce the risk of pneumos compared to this company yeah. so she can advocate for that to make sure that the patient is safe and that the nurse is safe you know okay. things like that it's pretty cool so she's gonna be facilitating yeah. that it also sounds like if let's just say the hospital needs to cut the budget that's probably a profession that might get cut first and to be careful yeah. for that it, see, it seems like it's an important job but when the hospital is going to need to make some money i feel like they're going to cut those positions mm-hmm. first so it's just, one of those, just be very aware of that yeah it's one of those good at paying low-key jobs that People don't really know about and don't really hear about, but with that comes there's first ones to get cut. We're not saying don't go this route. We're just saying you know you wanna. There's just, you might have a little bit of issue with, with security if like tough gets if times get tough in the hospital yeah. environment. So you might want to go if you want to be one of these. You might want to go to like a more known hospital where their financials are, are are properly placed, because this does improve patient outcomes and and nursing satisfaction but also costs money so not every hospital is going to have that money to devote to these kind of yeah. people and, and if you look at the perspective of what's happening right now in the hospitals and they're overfilled they're stressed out like they're not looking at meticulous charting or trying to expand all these jobs or like we're just trying to get by in a hospital mm-hmm. setting right now that's what's happening yeah. so this job is not as important you know what i mean like it's it's it's, not, not, it's it's important. That's not secure. Exactly. Like it, we're just giving you guys like the real life examples, like the hard truth of like what's up, kind of you know. And like some people don't like to hear it, and that's why we always have to kind of like cover our asses just to you know like prevent any sensitive people from overreacting to this. Like we're just telling you how it is, yeah. laid on the law. So after um, nurse, um, clinical nurse specialist here, we're gonna go into number four, which is a psychiatric nurse practitioner. And if you're wondering, that's more the mental health route. So if you're into mental health and all that, that might be a profession for you. So you're basically taking care of patients that have different different psychiatric disorders. You're going to be a psychiatric NP, and you're going to be able to manage these patients with these illnesses, disorders, and it could be anything from anxiety, it could be from ADHD, mood disorders, substance abuses, and maybe more serious patients like schizo or suicide. I feel like this is this is going to be right now like psychiatric nurse practitioner. You don't really hear that too often. Like I didn't think it was gonna make the list until I saw. It. I was like, damn, psychiatric nurse practitioner make make solid money. Like I didn't know that. And if you if you look at it, like I I feel like the the trend of like the world is going towards more mental health. Yes. Right. Everyone's into more wellness, mindfulness, whole, holistic care, things like that. They're, we're think we're taking instead of a system based approach. Looks like we're tr- trying to come up with like a holistic approach, right? You know, mind's mind is basically an organ as well. So this is something that's probably going to be on a rise in the future. Definitely, probably in twenty twenty one, especially with C nineteen now post lockdown. Imagine how many people are going to suffer for different mental health issues, right? Because a lot of times, what triggers like a mental health event is like a stressful event, right? Some kind of you're placed in a stressful environment, and 
and that gene flips on, and it, and then you're diagnosed with like a psychiatric illness. This has happened overnight, yeah. right? So there's some kind of a, a cause from it, right? And I feel like C19 is going to cause a lot of those issues. And you know, as a psychiatric nurse, you could be there to help out those people. Yep. Yeah, it's really really cool. It's really rewarding. I was never big into psych into uh, psychiatric health. I just didn't like. I don't know. It was it was hard for me. Like clinical was hard for me. Like um, it was hard for me to get through some of these these people. So yeah, like I I did a clinical with like teenagers, and it was really rough for me because I just didn't get the same job satisfaction from like helping and healing. This is me personally, of course, because I felt like these. When I talk to these like teenagers, like I'm like, whoa, man, their brains are like, they have a different way of living and thinking. And I'm just like, how do I help those kind of people? Like that was very hard for me to do. Like when I sat down for a one-on-one interview and like I asked these questions and I forgot what the kid was doing. Like he threatened to kill his like, you know, his sister with like a knife and he just was saying weird stuff. He like tried to cut off the the balls out of a freaking damn cat or something like he tried to like neuter the damn cat mm. like it was just really mentally weird yeah. like how can i help that person yeah. and that bothered me to the point where i'm just like i don't think that's the career for me because i'm not going to get that same satisfaction and when i help like a patient like bedside in the icu mm. personally the exact, exact same thing and like my clinic was was the same people were we're saying these these like out of the box things that like you wouldn't be able to even think about. Yeah, it's hard right? to comprehend. Yeah, and it was hard for me to kind of put myself in, in in like their shoes and try to help them out because I just didn't know how to. And that was like the hardest thing for me. That's kind of why why I started away from psychiatric nursing because like I, I wanted to help them. I wish I could. I just I just couldn't. I just didn't know how. So it just takes like a special kind of nurse to, to deal with these. Like, you get some respect. Like like you, you gotta give the nurses some respect. Like they could hear this stuff the day in day out, and they know how to talk back to them to calm them down to kind of put them back into reality. And like they know how to calm people down and how to treat them. Like I have no idea, man. Like I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. Shout out to anybody that's working in psychiatric department or is interested in working there. And I I wish there was somebody listening that maybe is in psychiatrics. Hit us up. We would love to have you on the show to even like talk about this stuff yeah, they'll be super interesting yeah because it's like a, it's like it's like the icu right it takes a special nurse to do it True. sometimes we just deal with very damn sick people and that, i think that's what we talked about recently correct it's just like right now in the icu like everybody's vented like i miss a good conversation with somebody mm-hmm. with like a sick person because we don't have that anymore everybody has a damn breathing tube and it's there's no communication it's just me doing my task and taking care of this person alive and it's just a hard time that's, you know, that's happening right now in the ICU. Yeah. It's interesting because ICU sometimes it goes both ways. Like you have those times where you're just like, you have a patient that's anal times four. And I don't, I don't want to say that they're annoying, but they're really needy. And you're just like, dude, I wish I just had my sedation. The sedated. alcohol withdrawal ones. Yeah, alcohol withdrawal. I wish to, I had just my sedated. Sedated, I've had the patients. Those are so much easier to deal with. But they're really not easy to deal with, you know. It, but it's, it's crazy how it goes both ways. There's it's good days, to have a change of pace. Right. Yeah, You we like a nice change of pace. Like, there's times where I would, wouldn't mind conversing with somebody. I have some time, but I can't because they're sedated, you know. It's also cool to kind of learn their, their perspective and ask them different questions and see how they think about things. Yeah. Or just picking the brain of an older person. Exactly, yeah, because they're older, so they have that much more experience. Like, some talking to somebody that's like 67 years, years old, they know a vast more than I do. You know, it's always interesting to ask where they come from, what they did for a living, because that also impacts their like opinions too. It's so cool. But that can't always happen in ICU, you know. Th- that's how you learn too. Like mm-hmm. you just listen to these old people. Like they're just full of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And sometimes sometimes their life is different from yours, but you're able to learn something from their life and apply it to yours. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so beautiful about taking care of the older population. Those, of course, that are very aware and have done something, you know, because you also have... 
because we're in the ICU, we deal with very sick people. There's also those sick people that didn't really do anything. They always kind of like hated life. They're, you know, like, let's just say alcohol abuse. And yeah. it's just like, it's hard to have a conversation because they haven't conquered themselves yet. They're still drowning in this addiction or whatever the case might be. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. So number five is going to be a certified nurse midwife. This is the perfect ideal career for anybody that loves labor and delivery because this is going to be you basically delivering babies all day, every day. And the requirements for this is basically a master's degree in um, or master's degree program in uh, nurse midwifery, right? And then you got to pass an exam and you become a nurse midwife. You, of course, work under, under a physician and or under an NP, but your role is basically going to take part in like the the prenatal care, the postnatal care. You're you're there during the whole birth process, a little bit before and a little bit after. You're kind of there with, with the with the mom through her whole labor. It's actually really cool if you're really into it. Not my not my thing, and I mean may, might be Matt's thing, but delivering babies was never my thing. It's cool. Yeah, I didn't deliver any babies. Like I know some nurses got to deliver babies, um, or they they were not physically, but they were there during the the delivery phase. Um, but for me, for my clinical, it was unfor- a little unfortunate because I worked in a primarily Middle Eastern cultured hospital. So a lot of times women didn't want me in the room during during labor, wow. which I completely understand, which is okay. There was a few instances where my teacher was able to sneak me in the bag, told me to wear like a, like a mask and a, and a hairnet. So it would be hard to tell that I'm a dude, you know, if, if you go me see the eyes, it's kind of hard to tell. And plus they're in labor, so they might not pay attention. So I saw a few of those, maybe like two or three. I, I unfortunately did not see any hmm. C-sections or births. Really, I literally saw C-sections all every day. I was basically going to the the OR for C-sections. Pretty gnarly, huh? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool because those those women were kind of less tend to be tend to be less Middle Eastern and they tend to be more open on who could see it, and they also weren't really able to see who was in the room because they had that like the gown in front of them. So I was able to. I don't want to say sneak in there more easily, but I was able to kind of see more C-sections because of, because of that. Yeah. Well, the only time, I mean, L&D is not my thing, of course, no, too. No. Um, I, had a, I had a little baby that I was trying to change that was just recently born that like pooped first and then started peeing towards me, like almost peed on my damn scrubs. And it's just funny because it was just, you know, the, not the wife, geez, the, um, the mother of the baby was just like cracking up about it. But that was like my little experience. I seen a quick circumcision when yeah. I was in L&D. Yeah, I saw it too. I was like, ooh, that's freaking rough, man. Yeah, they do. They're like different kinds. For mine, not for my personally, but the one that I saw, you know, they put like a little cone over like the head of the penis and then just like snip it off. Yeah, man. They did some shit. It's like a quick little blade, right? Yeah, dude, it's crazy. But I like being a nursery though. That was fun. Like wrapping the burritos and like or wrapping the kids in like a little burrito. Like, the nursery? Know, yeah, nursery was always so fun, dude. I always used to go there. Like if it was like like slow and, and like the OR, I was always go to nursery and just like... Change babies all day. It was, it, was, it was probably like one of the funnest clinicals I've ever did. It's cool because there's different section in this like LND, if I'm remembering correct. There was like a special section where the baby was getting like uh, the special blue light. Is that what that is? I'm not sure if it's blue light, but like it's like heated, warmed. Yeah, warmed, warmed light, and it yeah. was some kind of light to, mm-hmm. I think, get rid of the brown fat. This is how much we know about LND. We're like trying to literally think about this right now because I have no yeah. idea. Try clinicals like five years ago. But yeah, I'm trying to remember. Like, yeah, like LND, ob like that's like my least favorite subject in nursing school and to this day it's just, i just don't have no interest in it you know yeah i feel that's how it is i mean we're dudes so like naturally genetically we're going to be more more wanting of a of a different you know side of it because not a lot of guys want to see women give birth all the time that's totally a totally female thing right yeah. same way like majority of females don't want to give people prostate exams right because it's like a dude thing right 
That's kind of how it makes sense. Same yeah. way when you go get your prostate check, you're you're more prone to seeing a male doctor, right? This is how how life works sometimes. There's, and I, and I wonder how because it would you know during this time, I wonder if that changed at all. Like, there's probably, is yeah. there any more men in that field, or are they more accepted? I, I no, don't know, but I, I don't know. I don't I don't think so to be honest. No. Like, because if you see majority of male nurses, they're in more of like the critical care setting or like there's a lot of dudes in the ICU. Yeah, for sure. yeah, and you don't you don't really see them more on women's health because. Like, like same with like the psychiatric nursing, it's a lot harder for us to, to paint that picture or put ourselves in their, in their spot, right? Because yeah. no matter how much books you read about labor, no matter how much deliveries you, you do, you still can't res- resonate on that level because you're never going to be able to bear a, bear a baby, at least for now. Maybe 10 years down the line, Matt might want to put a baby in his stomach and change all <laughs> that shit up, the anatomy, but you never know. As of, as of now, we can, relate, we can only relate to a certain level. Yeah. And past that, it's, it's, um, it's unknown. It's unknown. Yeah. There's, Same way, like, no experience. like you, you can explain to a woman how, how much it hurts when you sit on your balls, right? By accident, you yeah. sit on your balls. Or, or when you got tapped by yeah, accident. Yeah, or you get tapped. Yeah, or you wake up, you know, and, like, take a nap at work and wake up with a boner by accident. You know, like, it happens. Like, it's only so much you could you could explain it, but you're not going to know how it feels. Right. You know, it's just how it is. Just be a part of being a guy, guys. Yeah. Just, just understand that it sucks sometimes, just mm-hmm. like females. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the duties that a midwife might perform, so she might be educating the woman on like, you know, birth options or like pl- how you might plan the birth. You might, you know, be doing fetal monitoring, maternal health. You might be treating conditions that arise with pregnancy, such as like um, gestational diabetes. You might be doing some like low uh, performing interventions, such as like, you know, actually delivering the baby or relieving pain during labor. I think there's a technique they press on the spine. There's so much stuff, you know. Um, and you might be prescribing and doing physical exams. So it's, it's a cool, cool profession. It's like an NP, but basically it's an, uh, ob setting. Mm-hmm. If that's, if that's what you're for. And to summarize these five, maybe you just like bedside. Maybe you just want to be a BS nurse and that's totally okay too. Mm-hmm. Like there's money to be made there as well from, you know, picking up shifts or working, working peer DM. Yeah. Or you don't want to do, or want something completely outside of nursing, right? Like look at Kat Golden. She did a whole movement, like. You know, we're, right, and we're doing podcasting. So, you know, if you like me and Matt, we enjoy nursing, but do we enjoy other things as well that's not nursing? Yeah, that's completely fine. These are just the top five paying nursing careers that people might be into. But if you want to do something outside of nursing, we highly encourage that because it's, it's very rewarding as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand how much benefit nursing knowledge brings to other things like entrepreneurship, like business, accounting, things like that, because you have a, a very rare perspective and you are a wealth of knowledge. And we'll probably end it with that, Matthew. I really like that one. Yeah. I, I um I had a piece of ginger right now, mm. and then my my eyes literally got watery on camera. I'm like, yeah. dude, I can't talk right now because I'm about to like cough. Oh, I thought you were just get emotional what I was saying. I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty emotional. Like, all right, guys, this is a uh, reword or not? This is a rewind here. The top five paying nursing professions that are going to happen in 2021 are going to be one registered nurse anesthetist, which is a CRNA, general nurse practitioner, clinical nurse specialist psychiatric nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife it's, a, it's probably the quickest episode we have ever done yeah all right guys thank you for tuning in give us those five stars patreon is out we're slowly updating it like i said there's gonna be two parts of it there's gonna be more of a nursing part where we summarize how our shifts went and more of our personality side where we just act like a bunch of goofs and just have fun yep sites coming out very very soon we have uh, new shirt designs coming in A lot of exciting stuff for Cup of Nurses in 2021. Stay tuned. Thank you for supporting. See you guys next week. See you guys. Peace.